You're listening to the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, how are you finding 2020 so far? It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're only a few hours in, so this is yeah. good. Uh, and, well, yes, this is um, the first episode of the new season of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. We have six new episodes coming up for you every Thursday mm. uh, throughout uh, all of January and the first bit of February. Yes. Uh, we've got lots of um, sort of industry sort of excitement and insider gossip and chat and felicitations I don't know if I'm using that last that, word correctly. Is but. that the right word? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think know. I don't um, know. But yeah, we, we've got lots of uh, chats coming to you every Thursday. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the business of making art, as in like how people do what they do and what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, we've got actors for you, we've got stand-ups, we have um, venue managers mm. and producers, We uh, set designers, we have all manner of people to chat to in the next six episodes of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Yeah. Um, we also are clearing the decks for our next set of interviewees that will come out later in the year. And in between those two seasons, we'll have a special season of short stories, uh, and especially for the podcast. Yeah, it's Cast Iron Shorts, and that'll be out at the start of March. Absolutely. So today's uh, podcast is with Hannah Brackenbury. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lovely chat. Uh, we should point out, actually, that it was recorded uh, last year, in 2019, uh, in the route to Christmas. If you listen carefully, you may hear some clues as to uh, <laughs> why that's obvious. Uh, and also, we weren't too sure what order we were going to put these episodes out in. So we make a reference to the uh, first show of Hannah's upcoming tour for 2020, Victorious. We make a reference to the first gig already having happened. Mm-hmm. And actually, that, that hasn't happened yet. It's still coming to the Comedia in Brighton. Now, that's sold out, uh, actually. Uh, but if you contact the Comedia, you can get stuck on their waiting list. Mm-hmm. And if you can't make uh, the Comedia, then it's coming to Eastbourne at the Printers Playhouse uh, for 23rd and 24th of January. Uh, and then all the way through, I mean, uh, there is a long list that you can mm-hmm. find on uh, Hannah's website. The date that you, if you're local to us, in Brighton that you might want to look out for is a 20th of March in Hove. That's at the Purple Playhouse and the tickets are, as I speak, currently still available. They may not be still available if you wait around too long. Yes. Um, so we had a nice chat to her. Yeah, we spoke about cheese. Yeah. We spoke about budgies. Scrabble. We spoke about Victoria Wood. And we spoke about Victoria Wood, uh, which is the... Um, the subject of Hannah's new show, Victorious, um, and it's just a genuinely lovely chat. It's really it's quite a privilege for us to be able to chat to these uh, exciting uh, people in the business, and uh, this was no exception. So I hope you have as much fun listening to it as we had recording it. Bye. Hello. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> My name's Hannah Brackenbury and I'm a musical comedy performer based in Brighton. Have you yet... Because I, I, I do stuff like writing and whatever, but I still, I don't think, have got to the point where I can... I mean, it's an unfairly loaded question. I, I literally ask you what you are. <laughs> but have you got to the point where you can say that without any sort of 
imposter syndrome click at the back or <laughs> no absolutely yeah i yeah still it still seems weird yeah it still seems odd that i'm almost making a living from doing this what just seems like nonsense just getting up on a stage and singing silly songs basically it's it shouldn't be a thing but it is and i i'm very lucky to be doing it yeah and loving it but it's not just luck <laughs> well yeah, yeah. yeah. um <laughs> I, that's an interesting thing about you you had the caveat that it you Almost making it. So there's <laughs> almost. that thing like, you know, it's almost there. And, but also, it's, it's hard work. And it's, yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's yeah. not just, as I imagine, a great night will often look like just rocking up, mm, mm-hmm. easily sort of like playing the songs yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. having interaction with the audience. And yeah. um, it's, it's a lot of prep, a lot of. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and each venue is different as well. A lot of the prep is involved is, is, is looking at the venue and what sort of audience you're going to be playing for that night and preparing a set list that's going to suit that yeah. that audience. So a lot of that goes into it, which people maybe don't realise. They think you just get up and play the same songs every night, but it's not always yeah. that way, that's for sure. And even if they do realise it, that's mm. kind of not why they're buying the ticket. They mm. sort of want to sort of have you look after them. Yeah, and, yeah, I'd hope so, yeah. And <laughs> because you're, um, you're local to Brighton and you've been here for a while, we... To a certain extent, we associate you with Brighton, <laughs> the, the, you know, um, Brighton, Hannah Brackenbury, uh, vice versa, and so that means I imagine that you get a lot of returning audiences who are who come f- literally for you. Yeah, yeah, I do. I've, I've been here ten years now, ten years um, plugging away and, and doing doing this thing. Started out just at, at little sort of open mics and, and comedy nights, and sort of worked my way up over the ten years to be doing Brighton Fringe shows and things like that. So, yeah, over those years, people have got to know me for sure, and. Uh, do come back again and again even though they've heard all the songs and all the punchlines like before it always amazes me that people still come back and laugh at the same yeah. same things even though they've heard them all before but yeah that's, it's lovely it's always lovely it's lovely I, lo- I love an audience that's half and half it's half mm. people I know and I know that get me and know what it's all about and then half, the other half of the audience are brand new and I get that that brand new buzz of, of uh, playing to new, new audiences as well what would you say to anybody um, who hasn't yet been to a short and girly night um, <laughs> because I imagine there will be a certain quote of people who bluntly might look like me who <laughs> might think oh that's going to be a bit full on that's going to be a bit am I, am I, am I one of those audience members <laughs> what would you say to those people um, it, it, I'm not going to lie they can be a bit full on they can be a bit raucous yeah, yeah but that, that's what I think the audiences love about the short and girly show yeah it's an it's an all female um, all LGBTQ lineup. Um, it yeah it can be very rude we do some family friendly shows as well we do some kids shows and things like that so it's it's a real mixed bag but um, it's always good fun and very relaxed and uh, the girls are the girls that do the improv side. I just hide behind the piano and do the music. But the girls that do the improv are just genius. They've been working together for 10, 12 years, so they know each other inside out, and they just yeah bounce off each other incredibly well. It's, it's always a joy to watch. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember your first gig in Brighton? I do. Yeah, very well. I uh, performed at a women's social night at a venue called oh, the name just slipped my mind. It's somewhere in Hove. Um, near the old market it was a little sanctuary the sanctuary that's it you know it's true the sanctuary little basement space and uh, some women were running a women's social cabaret disco kind of a night and I managed to get a little slot in there and that was my first not only my first gig in Brighton but the first time I'd ever had a proper crack at doing performing comedy songs it wasn't really a thing that you you were doing before Brighton no when I moved to Brighton before I moved to Brighton I I lived in Derby went to where I went to university did my music degree up there and was just doing the regular singer songwriter thing I was I was 
just writing regular boring old heartbreak songs uh, <laughs> which were fine but um, uh, I'd always had a love for comedy and I'd always performed Victoria Wood material and I started throwing in a couple of her songs at the end of the set that I was doing and that got such a completely different reaction that I just got, got the buzz for that and thought yeah. you know what I'm going to have a go at this and see so I was moving, planning to move down to Brighton I knew there would be opportunity much more opportunity down here for, with um, you know venues and uh, cabaret nights and things so I thought I'd have a go. So yeah, that night in the sanctuary was my first my first attempt. And there's, somebody filmed most of that set, and that's still all up on YouTube now. And some of those videos are my my most watched yeah. videos on YouTube. I look back on them, and they're a bit cringe because I was literally just starting out. Yeah. But people still still seem to want to watch that stuff. So. So Victoria Wood is important uh, to us, particularly um, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a tour of Victorious. Yes. Um, yeah. And so let's. Yeah, let's go in chronological order. What, yeah. uh, like, what, what's your first connection or first memory experience of Victoria Wood? Victoria Wood, wow. Um, memory, watching her on TV as a as a child with my parents. My mum my and dad, both huge comedy fans. There was always comedy on in the household. We were always watching, yeah, Victoria Wood. Um, my mum loved French and Saunders. Me and, me and her would sit and watch hours and hours of French and Saunders stuff. My dad, more kind of uh, the two Ronnies and Morecambe and, Morecambe and Wise, that sort of stuff. So... Uh, it was always on in the household. Yeah, just remember watching her. Remember her doing her songs on. It was that's life, wasn't it? That she was yeah. the TV show that she got her one of her breaks on, and she was there and would do a comedy song at the end. And because I'd had piano lessons since the age of five, whenever she was on telly playing the piano, my mum would call, "Come and come and see. There's a lady playing the piano yeah. on telly. You could be just like her one day, sort of thing." And any any time anyone was playing the piano on the telly, my mum would call me, "Come and see this person playing the piano." So yeah. I was always always sat and was fascinated and mesmerised by her. Yeah. And, um, and then it wasn't until I was in my teens that I picked up a CD of her songs. Um, I was in one of these bargain book book discount bookshops, yeah. and there was a bucket of old one pound CDs next to the till, and yeah. on the top was one of her CDs. It was twelve of her original songs, and this is when I was just sort of going to university to study music and. I then really listened to her music in, yeah. in depth then and started studying it and listening to the structure of how she put songs together and how she used the lyrics and then it was really getting into my head that something I might be able to maybe one day do. Because yeah. I think that's something that's quite interesting about Victoria Wood is like the structure mm. in that if we aren't watching her regularly, if we're not a fan, there's something that seems quite fluffy and Middle England mm-hmm. about her, but there's there's no sharp edges. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And actually, when you do, even the stuff like although it's not musical, dinner ladies. Uh, yeah. There's it's there are there's elements of darkness and steel. Oh, there's there. a lot of stuff that tugs at your heartstrings in what Victoria would. She she wrote, wrote stuff that would swing you from one way to the, the one side to the other really quickly. You'd be laughing your laughing your head off, and then suddenly she'll hit you with something really yeah pulling at your heartstrings um but yeah i think i think her stuff was the stuff she wrote was just so relatable it's so every day the the topics like the dinner ladies for example everything was it's every day people at work in their job and it's stuff that people could relate to um very much so and that's what i always try to think about when i'm writing my own material now trying to make it relatable people think oh yeah i've been in that situation oh yeah i've met somebody like that yeah i think that's what what People, how you make your connection with an audience is, is you know, finding yeah. that relatability. Sure. I, in her sketches, particularly, I think what doesn't get enough credit uh, is a, her, 
her capacity to be surreal. Mm-hmm. The, 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 yeah. the turn of phrase can yeah. be really quite, as it were, being poetic, but a, bit, a genuine oddness to them. Yeah, with some yeah. real obscure references yeah. sometimes. She would throw in a, you know, a reference to something really, you know, retro or, yeah, yeah. like you, you least expect, but because it's so random, and so it makes, makes that phrase or that, you know, part of that sketch even funnier. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what people loved. We should, um, in terms of sounds that you may not expect, if you are, <laughs> if our sound recording <laughs> is particularly good on this, uh, you may hear. Um, on... It's getting louder, they've just turned it yeah. off. Yeah, so yes, this <laughs> indicates when we're recording this episode. <laughs> you may, if you, this is your final, this is your final call to finish your tin of quality streets. <laughs> I can only imagine if it had been um, wham, then people would have been whamageddon out <laughs> 11 months early. Yes. But, yeah, yes, that's what, so, would it, yes, uh, <laughs> sorry to disappoint any listeners who thought this was coming out live. <laughs> don't know how a live podcast works, but, um, yeah, so, um, so tell me then about um, Victorious. Okay, yeah, so Victorious is a show that I put together, well, I started writing about two years ago, um, Victoria died in 2016, wasn't it? And um, fairly soon after she died, within a few weeks, some friends sort of approached me and said, you know, you, you do her material, you should put together some sort of show, you should do a tribute to her. And it was so soon after, it felt way too soon, it felt way too raw, and I felt I don't want to be um, exploiting her death to suddenly promote my career. It felt really uncomfortable. So it's an idea that I, I, I love the idea of it, you know, to celebrate her life and, and her work, but it felt really wrong at the time. So I sort of shelved it and sat on it for a couple of years. And then um, coming into Brighton Fringe last year, 2018, um, I had started performing more of her material again in my, in my sets and was getting more and more and more responses from audience people. Oh, I'd love to hear more of that. I'd yes. love you to do more of that. So it felt like enough time had passed for it to it to be a, to be okay to kind of put something together. So um, yeah, so I took um, some of my favourite songs of hers that I've performed for years. I took some of my songs that people always compare to her. People always say, "Oh, that sounds just like a Victoria Woods song." Yeah. And um, yeah, put them together into a show that tells a little story about how she influenced me uh, what I loved about her what I loved about her material um, talk about her life and her childhood how it compared to my life and my childhood and it just ties together there's poems and monologues and songs switching between her songs and my songs and it's a, a little hour-long show in tribute to her um, it's not a, I'm not trying to imitate her or impersonate her in any way I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of doing that um, but it's just performing her material, keeping it alive and, yeah. and kind of keeping her, her memory alive in the best way I, I know how to do. So, and people seem to have seemed to love it. Um, yeah, I sold out Brighton Fringe last year. I've done Camden Fringe this year. And the show's picked up a couple of awards, yeah. which has been lovely. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, been, it's been really lovely to do. It's been an honour, a pleasure to perform. And I'm really excited now next year to be taking it on tour around the country. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, yeah, as you say, it's, a tribute. it's almost like a conversation that fans would have in the pub yeah. about, oh, do you remember this song and this song? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. It becomes a dialogue. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a few songs in there that people might not have heard. I sort of dug back through her catalogue yeah. and picked out a couple of uh, ones that I hadn't heard before and I put them in the show cause they, because they follow the story and they fit in with the story I was trying to tell. Yeah. So there might be some stuff that huge fans might not even have yeah. heard of in there as well yeah. and I guess that point so, so obvious so big that it, it you might we might need to step back from it and look at it 
you are actually using her songs yeah. in the material, yeah. which means that there's <laughs> a certain amount of um, affirmation from the people who know her best. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you, you yeah. were speaking before we recorded that you... Uh, not seek permission, although that probably is the correct term. Mm, yeah, um, pretty much, yeah. Uh, with a show last year uh, in 2019, 2018. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me about that. Yeah, so in order to do the uh, the initial Brighton Fringe shows, I had to get permission from her estate. So a lady called Lucy Ansbro, who was her agent when she was alive, um, she is now in charge of looking after the copyright and the estate of all of her materials. So I had to contact her um, and she initially gave permission for the five shows at Brighton Fringe and then said if I wanted to do anything further to that I had to go back to her and I had to perform the show for her (laughs) I imagine this was a relaxed performance I've never been so terrified <laughs> in all my life. It took. She's such a busy lady. She still works for one of the biggest entertainment agencies in in the UK. Who deals with you know real big name comedians. Yeah. And she. It took eight months to even pin her down to yeah. get her to be in the same room as me to perform uh, the show. But we finally did it. It was a year, almost a year ago today. It was January last year that um, I. Uh, sorry, not, not today. Gen- well, no. it might be. It depends on <laughs> when this. <laughs> Then this goes out. Listeners can tell us year, that. <laughs> what I'm thinking is it's a year, it'll be a year when my first date on the, of the tour, that's what keeps sticking in my head. It was wow. the 12th of January. I think it was the 15th of January this year that I performed for Lucy yeah. Ansborough, and it's the 12th of January that's my first tour date. That's what I was thinking. Yes. The year, the year, space. Yeah, so um, it took a long time to, to get there, but um, yeah, she thankfully she, she loved it and thought it was really ta- done really tastefully and really respectfully. So she gave me the permission to go on and um, perform it as basically as much as I like in venues up to I think she said up to um, 400 seaters if it it it? gets any bigger than that to then go back to her again and to discuss it further that's a good problem to have it's a really good problem to have it's such an intimate show it would never suit a a room of that size so I'm very happy to be doing sort of small theatres and art centres that's what what I'm aiming to do next year Yeah. and what apparently is my favourite phrase of today um, that again needs to be stepped back and looked at a bit obvious Uh, to look at in mm. that you have the seal of approval mm-hmm. from the estate yeah. that's actually yeah. quite th- does that ever maybe it hasn't yet and now it will do does that <laughs> sort of slightly freak you out so there's like a sense of responsibility there a little bit yeah it's something that does does play sort of sit at the back of my mind and I'm thinking about when I'm pr- you know promoting it and I want to make sure that I do it in the right way and keep it that respectful and and tasteful tribute that I want it to be and that they, they want it to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know there have been a couple of performers that have had their shows shut down, basically, yeah. for, for whatever reason, I don't know, not shows that I've seen, but they, sure. they've not received the permission that they needed. Yeah. So I've, I do feel very honoured that, they, yeah. that they've given me the approval. Yeah, and I want to do, do the best job I can, yeah. Talking about other people, um, in my very perfunctory research, <laughs> I worked out that there are... Three Brighton-based ha- Hannah Brackenbury's. <laughs> yes. And my suspicion was that you might—you're definitely one of them because you're here. <laughs> yep. That's you me. might be two of them, but you're probably not all three probably of them. Probably not the the most famous one. So uh, yeah. So this is um, Hannah. <clears throat> I almost forgot her name. Um, <laughs> Hannah Brackenbury, born in 1793 or 1795. That's right. Who um, basically appears to be famous for giving money away yeah she was a very rich lady who ended up living in Port Slade and funded lots of charities and community work in the area apparently yeah I didn't know anything about her when I moved down here but um, 
I performed my first few gigs and, and was contacted by somebody who emailed me and asked me why why was I using this lady's name on stage and what was the reason for that and yeah. I, was, I was like excuse me which lady is this this that is my name and then she sent me some information about this the philanthropist Hannah yeah. Brackenbury and I was fascinated to find out yeah. that you know, someone else of the same name had, had done big things in this area so it was it's nice very interesting isn't it? and that whole idea of yeah because when <laughs> I first met, I had to sort of check in, is that your name? Or, you know, hey, if you're going to take on a reasonably obscure sort of uh, 18th century, 16th century sort of um, uh, woman's name, that's quite a good one to take yeah. on. Um, pretty good, isn't it? But how bizarre that you would have found your way down to Brighton yeah, yeah. without prior knowledge. Yeah, no, it's um, just one of those weird coincidences in life, yeah. Second Hannah Brackenbury, of course. That's a good title for a book. Uh, <laughs> Hannah Brackenbury is a photographer, which is Yes, is that is also me, yeah. So that's my day job. Uh, yeah, my day job is photography, freelance photography, and then, yeah, the night job is the music and comedy yeah. stuff. So I do have two, two personas, if you like, online. That's for sure. Do you um, have days when? Well, I guess it's more difficult with um, wedding photography because mm. that will sometimes go into the evening. Do you, yeah. But do you ever have days where you literally are doing the day job followed by the night job? Uh, have done, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That, it, that you know, it's it's challenging, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, but you know, I've been self-employed since since I moved down here ten years, so it, you just get get to, you just have to do what's, what's yeah. there. You have to take the work when when it's there. There's yeah. no um, there's no picking and choosing really what you do. You've got especially the cost of living down here. I love Brighton, and I wouldn't <laughs> want to live anywhere else. But it, you have to graft as a self someone who's self-employed to yeah. to. to to live comfortably down here that's for sure if you were to take a photo of me because I imagine <laughs> there are subjects who know they literally know how to pose yes. as in you know that they, they know that they, they, they're not going to like I would pout too much at the camera <laughs> like a bad Piers Brosnan cosplay um, but there are also people who sort of like will be like a Chandler thing sort of be sort of generally sort of like charismatic uh, yeah, on their name yeah, sort of yeah. like panic on thing yeah. or they'll be telling you how to do your job uh, yes yeah, so how <laughs> how can I be a good subject oh how can you be a, I don't think there's anything that you can do as a as a subject it's up to the photographer to make you feel comfortable and make you yeah. feel relaxed yeah that's half the that's half the battle of photography it's that, being a pers- person being able to make that person feel comfortable that sounds mm. a bit like I and mean, this, you, you and I may disagree on this. You know, there's this, this, this line uh, within the stand-up community mm. of you can't blame the audience. It's not the audience's <laughs> fault. It's, 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 it's on you. You can't blame the yeah. audience. I, I can say this now that I no longer do stand-up. <laughs> I happen to mildly disagree with that. Sometimes it is <laughs> okay. the audience's fault. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. That it is up to the photographer <laughs> to sort of create the thing. Yeah. But sometimes I see that there are subjects who are who are going to try your patience yeah no there are yeah especially in press photography because that's how I train as a press photographer in uh, with local newspapers so yeah you, you're sometimes sent to photograph someone who doesn't particularly want to have their photograph yeah. taken but they've got to for the story so yeah, yeah in those situations absolutely it, it's a bit harder and they're sometimes just not going to play ball but you just get what get what you can <laughs> were you ever guilty of the thing that has now been cliched in feeds like angry per- people in the local <laughs> newspapers of getting the 
middle age person to point. Absolutely, <laughs> pointing to the to the problem, <laughs> folding the arms to yeah. express uh, anger and yeah. Uh, upset. Yeah, all of those classics. Yeah, that's that's how you learn. That's how you start out in, in local in press. Itself, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to start out learning those uh, those classics. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so this is a bit of a. Uh, a subject pivot mm-hmm. although people who are listening who know you will not be surprised uh, so uh, budgery guards <laughs> yes um, which is a delightful story so uh, I think that I don't want to prelude it any more than asking you why are we talking about budgery cards? okay absolutely I'm very happy to tell the budgery story um, so at Easter this year Easter weekend Easter Saturday morning I was in my little uh, yard in my little studio flat I had the door open in the yard there were some pigeons in the yard there were always pigeons in and out of the yard I could hear them chattering away and then suddenly heard a, a very unusual sound a much louder squawking what, I thought what on earth is that went out into the yard and there was this little uh, green and yellow ball of um, feathers uh, being harassed by these two pigeons and this little budgie um, so I, I went out tried to scoop him up the three of them all scattered the pig, pig, pigeon one pigeon and the budgie ended up on the on the garden fence I thought what am I, what am I going to do here sat and looked at them for a little while the pigeon got bored and disappeared and I just went for it went up to this budgie scooped him up and brought him into my flat sat there waiting for a neighbour to come and knock and say I've, I've just lost my my budgie have you, you know, have you seen him sat there for an hour nothing um thought what am i gonna do with this pig this I keep saying pigeon now this budgie uh so i built him a little perch out of lego and a pencil crayon as you do the first things that came to hand took a photo of him and put it on social media as is the obvious thing to do these days has anyone lost a lost a budgie in this area uh people were amused by this lego perch and uh pencil crayon image and this this image got um shared 420 times that weekend across brighton and hove every rspca um group every you know bird rescue site it got shared far and wide um looking for this budgie's owner but um no one came forward he was with me for three days just flying loose around my flat um pooing all over everything all over me all over sit sleeping up on my curtain rail for those three nights um a very kind gentleman saw the um one of the posts online and got in touch and said do you need a cage i've got a spare cage you can have it for free it's just sitting in my conservatory so i went and collected the cage and so he had a had a home still expecting within a week or two somebody to come forward and claim him but um no one ever did and he is uh, very much still with me (laughs) he's very much my little pal he's named bertie and uh, we wrote a song together yeah yeah, which uh, went sort of semi-viral around uh, around the local area (laughs) (laughs) a few months back yeah yeah. That, <laughs> in my limited experience, that seems like quite a Hannah Brackenbury type <laughs> thing to happen. So many people said that. Only, only you would this happen to? Would something like this happen? And then you make a, a song and a music video out of it. Yeah, but it seemed like the right thing to do. He's so, he's so comical, and um, yeah, he's. Uh, I wouldn't be without him now. No, little guy. He's so, he's so funny. He's so full of character. He, he's actually talking now. I've managed to teach him a few phrases. What, what phrases? Four phrases. He says, he says, peekaboo. Yeah. He says, thank you. He says, what you doing? Yeah. And where's your friend? 
Or, just or, these four phrases he learned in a very short space of time within a couple of weeks. We've tried over and over to expand his vocabulary. Yeah. He's not interested in learning any other no. phrases. He's just got those four. Those four. I've been trying to teach him other things so that I can cut it into a new music video yeah. and actually have him doing real vocals on. But he doesn't want to yeah. learn anything else. So I've either got to write a song that incorporates those yeah. four <laughs> four phrases. Or just just leave it to be, but um, yeah, he's a funny little guy. Four phrases are either very cute mm-hmm. or sound like a mafia boss <laughs> trying to. Where's your phone? Yeah. <laughs> Pickaboo. Uh, so so he's, he's got a few words. Yeah, yeah he has. Yeah. Who's going to be better at Scrabble, you or <laughs> Bertie? I can't imagine. I don't know how many how many points you get for Peekaboo. It's got a K in it. That's a high scorer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've not tried him on Scrabble yet. What's your <laughs> highest word, or, uh, or the one that you were most proud of in Scrabble? Oh my gosh, I've been playing Scrabble for so many years. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Um, there've been so many. I mean, it's all about getting those high scoring letters on those high scoring um, spaces. That's what, what it's all about. You, you know. Scrabble players don't hate it when they draw the Zs or the Js or the Xs, but they're they're the they're the golden golden tiles. Yeah, you want them for sure. See, I consider myself, you know, quite a erudite, you see, mm-hmm. type person. Good. <laughs> but when I'm playing Scrabble, I get down to like two letter words. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just you know, go. Sometimes there, sometimes there. If if you've got an X, an AX or an OX, they can be. Yeah. You hit that X on a on a on a triple word. Um, space you know sometimes a two letter word yeah. can score score 50 plus yeah it's not about the length it's about what you do with those tiles <laughs> I would like to think there's been an edit here but there, <laughs> there has not been an edit here um, so and we are recording this in the lead up to Christmas mm-hmm. uh, we did get Warmageddon out just in the yeah. last couple of minutes um, if, yeah, if you didn't hear it then you're fine <laughs> um but Christmas is about many things, but it's also about cheese. Uh, is, tell me about yeah. cheese. What's your favourite cheese? <laughs> My favourite cheese. Oh. For, for people who are going, these seem to be quite <laughs> odd. <laughs> so people will note that the, the, the base level of research I've done is looking at YouTube. Hannah's website. My YouTube videos, yeah, they're all related to these topics in one way or another. Yeah, um, yeah I'm eating a lot less cheese lately because I'm now living with my girlfriend who is vegan, so we're, I'm eating a yeah. lot less cheese than I was. Um, Let's just interrupt that because this, <laughs> this is actually an important point uh, mm-hmm. in that point. Because you're a cheese lover and mm-hmm. your, your diet might be becoming more vegan or l- yeah. l- less non-vegan. Mm-hmm. And infamously, mm-hmm. um, there are lots of vegan cheeses there that just aren't the same. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. you found yet anything that's close to a suitable... There is only... My, so, so my girlfriend's been veggie vegan for quite a while yeah. and there's only one brand that she will buy we're, we're promoting uh, some sponsorship you know what, here we, we, you know, we, we look for sponsorship it's, like, it's called Via Life yeah. Via Life cheese and uh, that's the only one she will touch so yeah. it's not even worth trying any others that's the only one and yeah it's it's quite good yeah, yeah. it's not it's not bad at all it's, you know it's not it's not real cheese no. but if if that's the, the only alternative that's absolutely fine yeah yeah. So in your pleasant, pleasant memories of when <laughs> you were still eating cheese cheese, uh, what was your cheese of choice? Oh, the, the super sloppy, creamy stuff, the brie, yeah, yeah, the brie. Oh, but I did, I do love um, the ones with fruit in, the, cra- uh, the uh, Wensleydale yeah. with cranberry, anything yeah. with like cranberry or blueberry, that sort of thing. I used yeah. to love those yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm sure I will partake over this yeah. coming coming season for sure yeah. uh, you're allowed to be what we now can call a vegan mm-hmm. yeah 
drift down. Yeah, yeah. I, I drift. Uh, the, the, I, oh, yes, because uh, I, I am literally running down the list that I found <laughs> on your website, which mm-hmm. is all... So, um, Saturday Night Live. Oh, uh, what, yes. what, what's, what for you is... Cause Saturday Night Live is not difficult in this country <laughs> mm-hmm. because now YouTube and whatever share yeah. a lot more clips mm-hmm. but for certainly throughout the 90s and 80s mm-hmm. you couldn't really get hold of it here. Yeah. and yeah. England has had some attempts at making its own version of Saturday yeah. Night Live yeah, yeah. but only would have like short seasons of six episodes mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. do you have a golden era of Saturday Night Live or what that's when for you it was golden yeah I, I only really got into Saturday Night Live about two three years ago I was a big, big fan of Kristen Wiig Oh, yeah. And um, a friend started sharing, um, yeah, like I say, YouTube videos to me of, of lots of her sketches, yeah. and I just uh, lost myself in a YouTube yeah. <laughs> SNL YouTube hole for about about four months. So probably yeah. every night I was going through watching everything I could get my hands on Kristen Wiig, and then everything you know it just spread from there, going through all that whole era that you know the late nineties into the two thousands, yeah. and. And yeah, learning about the history of that show, and it goes back forty, you know, forty plus mm. years now. Yeah. And all the huge stars that started out on that show as just regular cast members, people like Will Ferrell, yeah. um, that have gone on to be major Hollywood stars. It just fascinated me, and I, I, I still spend hours and hours going back. There's so much stuff on on YouTube. Yeah. They're, they're, they're constantly releasing old archive footage. Yeah. yeah, they're going back and sort of releasing it, clipping it all up. So there's always new stuff to watch, yeah. And I just, I just, yeah, it's, it's my sort of humour. It's, it's music. It's sketch yeah. comedy. It's satire. It's stuff that I, I love, and it's done really, really well. Yeah. Some of it I don't get. Some of the, you know, political references yeah. in America. I don't, don't know who they're, who they're talking about all the time, but I can still find most of it. Pretty, a, a gag yeah. is a gag. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, that whole thing about you know, whether it be Gilda Radner or Eddie Murphy or mm, Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. that whole idea that it is. <laughs> genuinely a factory yeah, yeah that we don't really have in the same way no, it's certainly not the, no. the improv sort mm-hmm. of thing of that being a training ground for yeah. some of the greatest comedic actors yeah. throughout the thing yeah. and obviously the original Ghostbusters mm-hmm. were all SNL yeah, and the yeah. humour of that and the 2016 Ghostbusters yeah. were all SNL yeah. and the humour of that film uh-huh. was very much the sketch of yeah, that absolutely. Um, so and I was watching a sketch this weekend when um uh at the end of the sketch, uh, Kate McKinnon comes out as a uh, Greta, Greta <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is <laughs> delightful, and she the look of sheer genius. delight on her own face yeah. to be. There seems to be something that's very deliberate about her performance in that, yeah. where she seems to be displaying to the audience, "I am honoured and delighted to be yeah. playing this character." Yeah, and I think she's done that a few times. I mean, she did all the Hillary Clinton yeah. stuff around the election, and she did that so well. Yeah. And some of it was hilariously funny, and some of it was really poignant. I don't know if you ever saw the, the sketch. Piano, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Immediately after the result, that was Which incredible. Was genuinely powerful. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they seem to be taking a slightly different turn on that sort of humour this time around. I mean, mm. no doubt will next year, uh, this year, with yeah. the election campaign because there had been that assumption of going we're not going to go that way are we and (laughs) so yeah it would be interesting to see how they Mm. go with this year particularly whoever ends up at the 19,000 Democratic candidates who will be the the final few so you you are originally a Derby girl um, I, I lived in studied, Derby for yeah. 12 years, yeah. So I went to Derby. I'm, I'm originally a Great Yarmouth girl. Okay. I'm a, sea, a seaside girl at heart. Yeah, I grew up in Great Yarmouth in Norfolk and then moved to Derby when I when I was 18 to go to uni there and ended up living there for 12 years, yeah. so. I guess the reason I sort of made that sort of <laughs> assumption is mm-hmm. that you were there long enough to be 
a fan of the football club. Yes, yeah. Well, that came with the job because I was trained as a photographer yes. with a new local paper, yeah. the Derby Evening Telegraph. So that came as part of the job. You had to follow the team around and cover yeah. all the football matches. So but you got you got invested. Yeah, you, yeah, I very much became a fan. As yeah. in, I was a football fan anyway. But yeah. yeah, that very much grabbed me. And um, I was working for them at the time when they got promoted to the Premiership. So I was at Wembley. They got went to the playoffs. I was at Wembley, sat behind the goal when they, you know, the winning goal went in and the fans went crazy Fantastic. yeah it's my favorite photography career moment that was my highlight yeah. for sure yeah, yeah so yeah pretty fan so we'll swing right back because we spoke at the beginning about what victorious is and how mm-hmm. they got formed uh but this year in 2020 you're on tour yes uh, so that's already this is a weird time travel question because that's already started how did the first gig go <laughs> i'm hoping it went brilliantly <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure it did <laughs> and that that was in that was important yeah uh, and soon you'll be in Hove at mm-hmm. um, Purple Playhouse the Purple Playhouse yeah I've got a date there on the 20th of March yeah yeah, and, it, and you're sort of uh, you're doing this all at least until summer. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping to take it right through to the end of the year. I'm yeah. just kind of um, it's the first time I've done anything of this scale. I'm kind of making it up as I go along. Have been when it comes to booking and contacting venues. I think this is a point in my career where I probably could use a manager or an agent. Oh, so you're, 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 your own, you're your own producer. I'm still mode. very much doing it all myself. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a bit of a learning process, contacting venues and learning cool. how to negotiate these sorts of yeah. these sorts of bookings. So. There hasn't been any kind of um, any kind of plan as to you know booking venues in in a sensible order. They've just been very much yes. whatever I can get. I'm taking been taking whatever I can get. Starting out fairly locally, starting out in Sussex and Kent and sort of places where I can go and come back sure. again within a night. And then yeah. I'm ho- then I'm going to hopefully be taking it further up the country yeah. through the summer. And then hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be up north and doing some proper. Yeah. You know Manchester, and you know, place, you know where Victoria was well, really known and loved. We spoke about <laughs> terrifying gigs mm-hmm. before. Yeah, that 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 will that will be sobering. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think that yes, of course, there are going to be fans who are fiercely protective of mm. her because of who Victoria Wood was, but also is mm-hmm. that the legacy that she has. Yeah, I imagine that that's that's quite a, a warm, lovely place to be. Mm-hmm. So although the, the, the mm-hmm. elements of in her heartland. That could yeah. be ter- quite terrifying. Yeah. You can also imagine that's going to be it's quite welcoming. Going, no, we, yeah, we want yeah. to share that. I, I, I hope that it's going to be more, yeah, more that than terrifying for yeah. sure. I've, um, I've been quite active on a couple of Victory Wood fan groups on Facebook. Yeah. There are a couple of big groups with sort of a couple of thousand people in each one, and I've been kind of making a lot of contacts with people all over the country through that and the response I've had has has all been really these are sort of super fans and they've all been really warm and saying oh please come to this town please come to that town so um, I'm hoping that yeah it will be received in in the way it's intended to to be delivered yeah so yeah as we do often end these episodes we've got three questions for you Mm -hmm. three questions uh, which are the first one's about Brighton if you tend to when you're think of your next lyric or whatever and or you're reading a book or whatever is there anywhere in Brighton that you sort of tend to sort of hang out that you feel sort of safe uh, and sort of happy to sort of like chill out in that you'd want to give a shout out to oh wow um, you mean like venue wise or kind of place wise yeah, yeah venue wise but also yeah sort of like a coffee bar or yeah. whatever yeah okay um, venue wise I suppose I spend a lot of time at the Marlborough yeah that's always kind of been my hangout since since day one since arriving at um 
in Brighton. Yeah, the Marlborough Pub is so so chilled, and that lovely theatre upstairs. Yeah. We, we do a lot of short and girly workshops and things we run at the Marlborough, so we end up spending quite a lot of time there. It's a, a chilled and very welcoming uh, place. Um, if I want to clear my head, I love getting out on my bike and cycling down along the Undercliff Pass. So it, when it comes to kind of clearing my head, looking for new ideas, wanting to wanting to throw stuff around my head and. Yeah and get some air in my lungs I go and hang out down the un- undercliff yeah, yeah for sure um, it's always been a, a favourite escape yeah yeah yeah. Um, the other question we one of the other questions we tend to ask is is there anything right now that you're reading or watching or listening to that you think that we might want to get in on do you want to recommend to us um, I don't watch a great deal of telly nothing very exciting no. other than the EastEnders and uh, lots, of, <laughs> lots of stuff back on the iPlayer um, um, podcast I suppose I listen to a fair few podcasts I mean my favourite at the moment and has been my favourite for several years now is my dad wrote a porno I don't know if I, you listen yeah. to that oh my gosh it's really hard for people who, who don't know what it's about it, it's quite hard to explain how funny it is it's originated from a, a, a single hour didn't it I think so yeah yeah. so it's a guy who um, whose dad literally decided one day to write a, a terrible porno novel about a woman called Belinda who works in the pots and pans industry and uh, this guy decided to, to read this story out to, to his mates on a podcast and it's as funny as the material in the book is that the, the the funny part of the podcast is his mates' reactions to what he's reading and yeah. how and that they're they're really good friends from from uni. They can go back years, so they've got a brilliant you know rapport yeah. anyway. But it's their reactions to what they're listening to and what they're reading. And they're taking them piss out of each other, yeah. and it's just the funniest thing. And it's been going for I think they're on the fifth book now yeah. it's just coming up it's, it's fresh in my head because they're just coming up to the final chapter in the uh, yeah. in this this um this one at the moment so that's what i've been listening to this week quite heavily yeah uh it's just hilariously funny it's quite rude so you know don't listen to it in front of children uh, but um if, if you want something just nonsense and a bit saucy uh, it's it's brilliant yeah i definitely recommend going right back to chapter one and following the whole story because it's just hilarious yeah it's all about going back to chapter one mm-hmm. uh, the other question we um are is um, did you when younger have an idea for a thing be it an invention or a book mm-hmm. or a film or a song or that or it, and you happen not to do anything with it mm-hmm. and then somebody else has had the same idea and they have done something with it <laughs> and they've got to your idea first <laughs> certainly there's a song in recent years that I uh, I wish I'd had the idea and I'd, I had planned to write yeah. and then I switched on radio I can't remember radio 2 or radio 4 and somebody had written the exact song and they'd written it ten times funnier than, yeah. than I ever would have and it was just it's really simple it was just on the theme of um, in restaurants where, posh restaurants that don't use plates that bring your food yes. on unusual items yeah. that on a piece of slate or on um, you know an upturned tray or, or you know your chips come in a flower pot or yeah. whatever it's something that had bugged me for years I thought one day I'll write a song about that one day I'll write a song about that. and yeah I think it was the now show or one of those yeah. you know satirical 
um, radio shows that and somebody yeah it might have, I can't remember who it was but some, one of these guys yeah. had written and it was absolutely brilliant yeah. and it was it was it was perfect everything that I would have written they'd written it was done brilliantly and yeah I was a bit like oh, I wish I'd got in there first but it's, it was done so well I can't I can't complain it feels like there should be a word for that emotion <laughs> when you are simultaneously enraged jealous <laughs> joyful yeah. admi- admiring and just bitter yeah. All at the same time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there should be a word for it. Yeah. Hannah Brackenbury, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. Produced by Michelle Donkin. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our website is castironbrighton.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.